coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Just when you thought you found a place without fireworks, fireworks are coming to Animal Crossing. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellerson. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about from the news from the week, including Animal Crossing Summer Update Wave 2. And then on Thursday, we're going to be talking the ABCs of Nintendo Sci-Fi. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing, re- I'm doing like pretty good. My husband um, helped me out, and he like cut the sides of my hair. Um, Looking sharp. Thank you. Thank you. He did a really good job. I think we're getting pretty good at these like um, quarantine haircuts. My husband finally let me cut his hair, but he made the wise decision of just letting me do like the uh, just like a buzz cut. Yes. Because, you know, like when he was cutting my hair the first time and I was like, I did not appreciate how much skill it took. And so I started cutting his hair. And he was like, can you do a fade? And I was like, no, like, I'm no, not, I'm what? not going to be able to, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pull this can off. Like I tried and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, Mark, this is fascinating and I would like to talk more about it, but I think you and I have to discuss uh, the obvious elephant in the room. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber has called the <laughs> Cats movie adaptation ridiculous. What are your thoughts on this? One, I, I, uh, really am enjoy how much Andrew Lloyd Webber is angry at Tom Hooper of for um the cats adaptation. Like, you know, when they were doing the shows must go on and um the last one that Andrew Lloyd Webber streamed was the cats, which was like a 1990 like six filming of it of the stage version that they did for like great performances. Um or at least that's where I saw it. They may have just done it to do it. And um, during the live stream, he was also doing, like, commentary. And he was really, like, in a very, like, passive-aggressive way, just um, talking about, like, how disappointed he was with the most recent film. And uh, I just really like that he can't let it go. Um, The quote from uh, whatever the source is, um, I'm, I'm reading it on The Hollywood Reporter. He says, the problem with that film was Tom Hooper decided that he that he didn't want anybody involved who was involved with the original show. The whole thing was ridiculous. Unquote. <laughs> I mean, what more is I there mean, is to say? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and, you know, uh, hard to argue with. Um, something that may be as egregious as the movie adaptation of Cats, of course, is my copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow it? It's the the Switch game. It's the game for the Nintendo Switch. You can borrow the physical cartridge um, from me if you want. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com and give us a mailing address where I can send it to you and send it back to me. This program is currently on hiatus because uh, I don't want to go into the post office. That building is small and has recirculated air, and I don't trust everyone in my neighborhood to uh, wear masks. Uh, so I'm not going in there. Um, but Mark, I should really, I should really work out a plan where I don't have to drop this thing into a giant envelope. Like I've been sending the game in its case, mm-hmm. but if like if I'm just sending the game itself, the tiny little Switch game, I could put that in a regular old envelope, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. We should talk about this because there might be alternatives we should, that yeah. we haven't explored. Yeah, I just I worry about it getting like crushed or right. rolled or eaten by a dog. Well, maybe you know. we set up a FedEx business account and. All in order Whoa. to get FedEx to come to your like house to pick mm-hmm. up this copy of Sonic Forces, and then we're just paying like fifteen, probably thirty bucks round trip. <laughs> okay, but here's so here's here's the real thing though is that it's not ju- the reason I would have to go into the post office anyway is that I need to get the packaging that they that it goes in. Like I don't have the large envelopes. Yeah, we the should we should mailers. we should yeah. talk. I, I I think I have oh, a plan. Okay. 
Mark has a plan. Yeah. The program may be coming off the bench. Um, but Mark, in the meantime, uh, we've got some listener emails that we need to get to. Um, one from, uh, it was a, a, an unsigned email, but uh, uh, thank you for sending it in. Um, and we'll read it now so you will recognize your email. Yeah, and let and us. So we can talk about right, it. Right, and then like reply to that email letting us know your name so we can shout you out properly. If you want to, if you're comfortable, you can use an alias. Yeah, uh, yeah, and if you wanted to stay anonymous, that's fine too. The email goes like this. Uh, Hi, Patrick and Mark. I've noticed a lot of people complaining about the lack of games from Nintendo this year. Let's recap. Tokyo Mirage Session, Animal Crossing, Xenoblade, Paper Mario, and 51 games, uh, the worldwide classics, of course, uh, the Clubhouse games, uh, in June. What more could we ask for? Um, Mark, what do you think about that? Are we in a uh, slow period for Nintendo right now? Um, so I, I think, I think everybody feels that way, or I certainly feel that way. But I think you raise, like, it's a really good point being raised, where it's like maybe if you look at it, it's not that bad. I do think what we're missing and what everybody's feeling is like, um. It's been quiet on like the announcements front, right? And so totally. like we yes. don't have anything for the rest of the year to anticipate. And I think in that way it does feel really light. But you know, I think uh like month for month it hasn't been Nintendo's like strongest year. We did get Animal Crossing, um, we did get Clubhouse games, we did get Paper Mario, but you know, we haven't had like the Yoshi or Kirby, like those types of like smaller games to fill it out. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. Like generally, I don't think it's like awful. I think we're just really missing like an understanding of what the rest of the year looks like. Yeah, I think that it, that's 100% what it is. Cause like, if you look at, um, the, the lineup here from the first half of the year, Tokyo Mirage Session, Animal Crossing, Xenoblade, Paper Mario, and Clubhouse Games, um, Clubhouse Games, we can kind of put in that, like, um, you know, it's like a Mario Party sort of category where it's like, you know that that's not like the game that anyone is clamoring for it may be cool it may be fun uh, it may have a lot of good multiplayer options but it's not like the game experience right um and then tokyo mirage session and xenoblade are both um uh remakes slash ports of uh previous stuff uh which just which gives us animal crossing and uh paper mario um which yeah that falls in like the same category as like you know, the Yoshi's Crafted World or the uh, uh, Kirby Star Allies that we've gotten in previous years. So, like, yeah, we probably are on pace for what Nintendo releases in the first half of the year. And we've just seen some real banger, like, end of the years from Nintendo um, over the last, uh, you know, c- couple of years. Like, um, you know, Fire Emblem, uh, obviously. Well, I guess that came out in the summer. Um but, uh, you know, like Astral Chain and uh, Luigi's Mansion and Pokemon, like all these games uh, like hit at the end of the year. Um, and we just usually by this point in the year, we have some idea of what that's going to be. Um, and we don't have we don't know anything right now. Yeah. I mean, like even comparing last year, right, like you had two major releases in July with Three Houses and um, the Avengers Ultimate Alliance game. Then Marvel Ultimate it, Alliance 3. Oh, right, right. And then in August, you had Astral Chain and uh, Demon X Machina. And oh, then yeah, I forgot about Demon X Right, Machina. and then like in August, you had um, uh, Link's Awakening. Or was that September? But oh, I think that was September, yeah. But then also Dragon Quest XI-S, and then you had Luigi's Mansion, and then you had... So like I like I think it's definitely slower. I, I, I don't think there's any getting around that like this is definitely not like a stacked Nintendo year. Um, yeah yeah but that's i mean a stacked nintendo year is uh i think i think we have in fact seen them the last three years um which is a big deal uh you know for a nintendo platform to start with like three hot years um and for this fourth year to you know suddenly not be a hot year to have some very good titles um but like yeah maybe this is just one of those years that's not like king nintendo well um and and really like Obviously, the consoles are in very different places in their life cycles, but it doesn't really feel like it's been a banger year for any of the consoles. Like, obviously, you know, like, (laughs) I guess I'm going to call Last of Us Part 2, like, Sony's um, Animal Crossing, right? Like, that's, like, their big, (laughs) like, title. But otherwise, like, and it goes to Shushima as well. So I'm not saying there's nothing. 
but more it just feels like kind of like a reset year for everybody. And then COVID-19 obviously has just like thrown a wrench in everybody's lives. Um, but no, I, I think I think it's an interesting point. I think for me, the piece that I am like, I haven't felt wanting for games, but I have felt wanting for like news. And that that is definitely yeah. how I'm feeling. I mean, I, I find myself, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit when we get to games we've been playing. I find myself uh, like picking up games and playing uh, experiences not on my Switch uh, in the last like month or two. Um, and, you know, I think that is partially because, you know, I need that like drip feed of new um, and have been so deep in the Nintendo's been so good at fulfilling that need that there are a lot of experiences that I uh, missed out on the last couple of years uh, on my PlayStation. So I'm going back to a lot of those. Um, <laughs> this is maybe along similar lines, but of course, Daniel has been playing through Octopath Traveler uh, largely because I don't know if it's because, but I'm going to say because we specifically challenged anyone to ever finish that game. Um, and Daniel has emailed us as he has been with spoilers for Octopath Traveler. Um, worry not, uh, friends, we are not going to spoil uh, the, the specific endings for the characters here, um, even though Mark and I will are, are reading these um, and having a wonderful time reading them. Daniel, do not stop sending them in. Um, uh, Daniel writes, all right, guys, something fishy is going on here. I'll elaborate after the nuts and bolts spoilers. And then he gives us the spoilers, which, again, I'm not going to share. <laughs> um, and then he says, anyway, in the final chapters of some of these paths, there's a clear common thread of an evil organization. It was hard to me to, it was hard for me to pick up on it first because A, it's not present in every traveler's story, and B, my brain is doo-doo. Daniel, Daniel, your brain is not doo-doo. Um, it seems highly likely that these shadowy necromancery bad guys are the same ones in the stories for Therian, Ophelia, and Cyrus. There were evil people in Primrose's path, but they weren't explicitly dabbling with evil magic, so their connection is inconclusive. Uh, he goes on uh, to uh, point out uh, other ways that there are these, like, an evil, shadowy, magic-using organization. Um and then says, I'm really geared up to see how this all pays off. If there's a meaty, if there's a meaty post game with real stakes, then this could end up being so worth it. I really want to see the lid get blown off the character interactions. I want them teasing each other, cheering each other on, maybe even falling in love. Cough, cough, primrose and Ophelia. At any rate, I'll find out later when I wrap up, wrap up Tess, uh, Tressa and Olberic. Uh, I'm sorry, these so long. I, I promise I'm trying to keep them as tight as possible. Daniel. <laughs> um, very interesting developments. Mark, uh, did you expect the stories to like intersect with some like weird shadowy conspiracy? No, not at all. And I feel like I haven't really heard anything um, about this, but that makes sense because nobody had finished the game before right, Daniel did. Impossible. So, yeah. Look, yeah, Daniel, we are rooting for you, but uh, you know, some some manner of tragedy will befall you before you finish this game. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, all right, Mark. Wh wh oh, one yeah. thing I wanted to uh, point mm -hmm. out before we moved on for, from the anonymous email, they sent us an idea for a Thursday topic episode, which we're not tackling this week, but they did remind us of the idea of doing like an ABC of type episode, which we will be doing on Thursday. So, thank you so much for sending that in. Yeah, and again, we're not out of ideas, <laughs> but we do appreciate ideas coming to us. Um, all right, uh, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So I've been continuing to play Paper Mario, the Origami King, um, still really enjoying it. So the pieces where I'm at right now, I think are, I just had hit like the high of Shogun Studios. And now I'm doing a little bit of like the busy work until I can get to the next what I'm hoping is like peak in the game, but I'm still enjoying it. Um, one thing that I did feel, I feel obligated to bring it up because uh, we talked about it the past two weeks and more has been revealed. So uh, in an interview, okay, so uh, two weeks ago, <laughs> yeah. lay, lay, lay a yeah. foundation. <laughs> two weeks ago, I read in uh, parts of an interview with um, the some of the developers of the Origami King, including producer Kensuke Tanabe. And in it, he talked about, uh, in response to a question about like um, famous Nintendo villains, he talked about how like they aren't really allowed to make characters that mess with like. Um, standard Mario universe characters. 
and um you know like we were speculating like about what that meant and everything and that like yeah like it's just a bunch of generic toads like that's what you're collecting are just like toads of different colors but otherwise they're the same and then last week i had played further into origami king and i started seeing like mario like standard mario characters like toads and koopas and stuff that are were wearing costumes and like dressed up and stuff like that and so i was like oh so maybe this isn't a thing or we're totally misinterpreting it um so in an interview with games radar uh tanabe spoke a little bit more on this um he said uh quote from the production of paper mario sticker star onwards we were we were no longer able to graphically represent individual characteristics such as age gender etc in the toad npcs non-playable characters and so it has become that much more important to convey their personalities simply through text our writer mr taro kudo has been grappling with this difficult challenge ever since uh, Paper Mario Sticker Star, but has managed to achieve giving all the text a sense of humor. Uh, in this installment, Paper Mario or the Origami King, we were able to include some toads wearing an outfit to match their role and also created original origami characters. And so I think the distinction that is being made is that in previous Paper Mario games before Sticker Star, you would have toads or like other characters who were old or they were right like they had like different characteristics like that and or they had like specific genders like this was like very clearly like a mm -hmm. male toad and this was very clearly a female toad whereas um in origami king what you see are like they are just your regular toad but they're wearing a costume or like th that makes them like they have a beard but it is very clearly like, oh, they're working at like Shogun Studios and this is a costume that they're wearing sure, sure. Under, over their just like normal toad appearance. So that seems to be the distinction that they're making. I just thought it was interesting and again, feel obligated to talk about it. I'm loving the game. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a weird one and it seems like maybe that's just a marching order that they're getting in the Paper Mario games because obviously, you know, we ranked a bunch of toads um, on the episode a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, a lot of those toads are from games that came out, you know, since, maybe not since Sticker Star. So maybe I have to eat these words. But I was just thinking about, like, the Toad Brigade um, in in uh, Mario Galaxy. But, you know, the Galaxy games are over 10 years old now. So, you know, maybe the policy has just changed that, like, we're not characterizing toads anymore. Yeah, I, I don't really know either. I mean, going back to the, like, where the root of it is like an Awadas asks around uh, the release of sticker star. And basically uh, Tanabe talks about in that Awada asks how like there were two things that Miyamoto and both of these things, like um, certain like fans have really like glommed onto as negative, but like he talks about how there were two things um, Mr. Miyamoto asked him to do with sticker star. One was like, Miyamoto was like, do we really need a story? Let's just lose it. And and then the second mm. thing was this, where it was like, hey, like, you can't, like, don't, you can't, like, change, like, the genders or ages or all that kind of stuff of Mar characters in the Mario universe anymore. So it, it doesn't give, like, a reason, like, why he decided he wanted to do that, but that's, like, where it came from. So it was, like, a request directly from them to this development team. So maybe it's just something with the paper series. Uh, Yeah, it, it's weird because, like, the... Mario and Luigi games, not that those have been super successful, but uh that those are, uh, you know, if if the if the idea, if the thought is like, hey, we're doing too much non-Mario stuff in these games, like where we're telling too much of a in-depth story and like characterizing uh, you know, uh the individual characters too much, um, that's happening in this other series as well, like Mario and Luigi. Like I, I could understand them being like, no, any attempt to complicate these characters or their stories, uh, it goes against like the ethos of Mario. And in some ways I do believe that, right? Like, yeah, we want Mario to run around and like be silly and like, you know, to give him too much of a story like kind of messes with that. Um, but it seems like it's already happening in other spheres anyway. Maybe it's a like you know when you see it type thing because like Gui mm -hmm. we talked about last week like Guiji obviously exists so maybe it's like if they came up with the idea for a character they could put it in front of somebody and they would be like oh yeah sure like g go with that like that's totally good yeah yeah 
Uh, but also, I think Guiji exists and exists the way he does for a very specific gameplay reason, right? Right. Um, he's there so that it is a multiplayer game, and so one of them can like pass through grates and stuff. But I guess that's what I mean. Like, if you could come up with like a similarly compelling reason that you needed that character in like Paper Mario, maybe that'd be totally fine. Right. It's just you know we're we're never gonna get like Guiji's backstory, right? <laughs> we're never I gonna mean, find out what motivates him. We did get Guiji's him. backstory. It was that like uh, Doctor Egad right. like He's a time traveler. <laughs> no, that he like dumped some like Doctor Egad like accidentally dumped some coffee on I can't even remember what it was, and then Guiji was formed. But and then Guiji was sent back in time oh, to help Luigi right. <laughs> in the original Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Mark, did you play Tetris 99 this weekend? I, so you can I get did play Tetris 99. Um, the so if it was a Origami King theme, and if you got 100 points, you got you get to like keep the theme. Um, the theme has like the battle music from the game, and so I it's it's fine. But uh, I was so like kind of sick of hearing it anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. but I, I I thought it was I thought it was fun. How about you? Yeah, I, I also played it. I was not able to get a win my first time out. And in fact, in like the hour or so that I played, um, I didn't get a single uh, first place victory. So um, I must be no good at Tetris anymore. <laughs> the only conclusion I can draw. Um, but yeah, it's it's cute. Um, and uh, sorry if you missed your opportunity to pick it up. I think they're making a lot of these available um, to purchase with tickets later anyway. They are because um, I there were two that I had missed, and um, so I've been like earning. They they're like eighteen tickets each, and so I've been earning tickets in order to, or maybe they're thirty tickets each. There must be thirty, and so I've been earning oh, tickets. Kind, to so like, kind of a lot. Okay. They are yeah. So I've been earning tickets to like get those just because now I want like I want all of them. Yeah. Um, there is, there are, uh, like separate achievements or, uh, what are they like I- icons or ti- titles or something like that? Um, the, there's one for having 99 tickets and then one for having 999 tickets. <laughs> and it's not for having collected that many total ever. It's for having oh, that wow. many Hoarding in them? your inventory at once. Yeah. So that is a goal. And mind you, I haven't been playing Tetris 99 every day, um, but like that is a goal that I've been slowly chipping away at, and I'm still like 800 away. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> aren't, aren't so there like long three tickets, tickets a day? Four, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if any of them are like do three T spins in one match, I'm like, nope, not gonna get it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also spent uh, some time this weekend playing um, Pokken Tournament, which is of course the Pokemon themed Tekken esque game um because it was free uh all all weekend for people with nintendo switch online um i'm i don't really like this game uh and it doesn't feel like a it doesn't have the like complexity of a fighting game that i want um in in a lot of ways you just sort of like you know you do the same like two or three things over and over again um and uh win that way and it doesn't really i don't know it 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 feels very uh button mashy in the parts of the game in the parts where you're button mashing and the switch between the like kind of free range mode and the dual mode um i don't know the like it, it all it all feels like uh overly complicated and overly simple at the same time um sort of taking the worst parts of both of those um so this isn't uh th- this trial period has not convinced me that this is a game that i need to pick up um but i am glad to have spent more time with it um and got to play as like other different weird pokemon i do like the the assist pokemon feature i think that's a cool way to um change like what your individual rounds are so like you go in with a main pokemon and then you have a, a pair of assist uh pokemon so like you know, there's one where it's the uh, the Litten and the um, oh the the crying Sobble, um, and it's just like which one are you gonna pull uh, for for this one? And they have different ways of supporting you. Some of them are attacks, some of them are status, some of them are defensive. Um, so you know, it's it, that that that's a neat kind of way to to mix it up. But it all, I don't know that that feels like a a complication that doesn't add. Um, any measure of strategy it's just like oh the thing that helps me in this one is going to be a little bit different um also uh i have been playing and i alluded to this uh in our intro but uh i have been playing star wars jedi fallen order on the playstation 4 
Um, and I'm enjoying that game a lot. Mark, I'm so deep in Star Wars right now. I'm wearing a <laughs> I'm wearing an Empire Strikes Back t-shirt as we record this. I'm playing Jedi Fallen Order. I just finished my um, watch through of the Clone Wars animated series. I'm currently watching Rebels. Um, I'm just I I don't I don't know why I just like I got I got Star Wars on the brain right now probably forever this is my life now um, and so I've been really really enjoying uh, Jedi Fallen Order um, but the game is so buggy uh, and there are so many like little glitches and like pop in issues uh, where uh, you know textures that I'm looking at for like a minute before they actually oh, turn into the texture yeah like really bad like textures on my main character. Um, or like I walk into a room and I'm like, oh, this room looks really weird. And I'm exploring it for a while and then like turn all the way around. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I see. I see what I sh- should have seen the whole time. And, you know, I'm, I'm playing on a, uh, a, a base PS4. I don't have a, a PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, uh, and uh, I have also had the, the experience where um, I've gotten through a boss battle um, like a, a kind of strenuous one, gotten like to the end of it, felt good about it, um, and it like kind of triggers the the cutscene for me to get out of that space. Uh, and there's too much stuff going on, and the game crashes. Oh no! Like hard hard kick out to the uh, to the uh, like the system menu and had to restart the game uh, and then re you know oh, get man. to that boss battle and fight it again. Um, and it just made me appreciate how uh, clean Nintendo games are. Um, that you know, this is not, and you know, either like first party PlayStation stuff is usually the, this, this tight as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, just like, you know, when you're playing Mario Odyssey that like the game's going to look good, it's going to play good. It's going to sound good. Uh, and it's, 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 it's a bummer to be experiencing it so much in a game that I like, but like, I don't know. That's, that's just, uh, not not everyone reaches those levels of quality, I guess. Yeah, you definitely take it for granted. I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it, though. I've It's one that I want to play just because, like, uh, yeah, I totally love Star Wars and it got such good reviews. Yeah, this is a game that I own on disc. So, um, weirdly, I'm sort of playing it twice right now. I'm playing it by myself and I'm playing it with my buddy Andrew uh, through uh, SharePlay, uh, which, again, is a great feature for the PlayStation and everyone should take advantage of it all the time. Um, but as soon as I, uh, am done with it, I will certainly be done with it. So I, you can borrow my copy is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's, uh, get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, August 4th, Scully is released on the Switch eShop. Scully is a, uh, kind of cute looking, um, 3d platformer like exploration kind of game where you're playing as like a little skeleton man um it looks sort of neat uh uh, the only reason i really highlight it here is because i don't know that there's anything else coming out this week that you or i are interested in uh at all no it's it's another week of a lot of eShop releases that i'm not familiar with should we um list some of these off patrick yeah let's do it let's go back and forth and just picking them Okay, so jumping to Thursday, August 6th, um, Ultra Food Mess is releasing. Also Thursday, August 6th, uh, Kukuro Days. Drink more glurp. (laughs) Frontline Zed. And Titan Glory. And of course, on August 7th, Wordify. (laughs) And City Bus Driving Simulator. What are these games, Mark? No one. Uh, what, what? What's going on? This is why we need to know what's happening with Nintendo going into the end of the year. Um, right now, you know, I, I feel like we've been able to look at these sort of slower weeks and be like, oh, well, you know, but Paper Mario's coming, uh, so you know, we'll, we'll, this is a slow week, but whatever. Uh, and now it's like this is a slow week. I don't know when it's not going to be a slow I week. No, it's you know, like we know that No More Heroes Three is supposed to come this year, I think, and we know that Bravely Default. Two is supposed to come this year, but um, I have to admit it will be strange to me if Bravely Default Two becomes like a holiday, like you know, like highlight title where they're like our big release yeah. for you know the fall is Bravely Default Two because it definitely feels more, you know, I'm expecting it to be more like Octopath Traveler where you're like this was a nice filler game, but um, I it's not really the main meal. Um, I also, 
I don't know it the the shape that that game was in and like the performances and the presentation just the pacing of it uh when they put that demo out it like just really really bad um and like not anything that I would be interested in spending any time with um and you know you and you and I aren't like hardcore um uh square RPG kind of guys but like we don't dislike them we can put up with a lot of nonsense um <laughs> but this was the, it was it was just so so like hard and heavy where it's just like I, I, I don't know. All right, Mark, uh, those are the games coming out this week. Let's close this out. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, today we're talking about pizza. Uh, I had pizza for dinner last night. But we're going to get a little bit more specific than just pizza in general. Um, we are going to take a look at the top 10 pizza chains in the country, and we'll see if we have experience with them, what we think about them. Uh, would you like to start at number 10 and work our way up, or should we start at number one and work our way down? Ooh, let's start at number one, just so we, we know that we get there. <laughs> it's a, this is a great point. Totally counterintuitive to other other uh, audio mediums, but let's do it. <laughs> um, number one, Pizza Hut. Wow, I guess I'm not surprised just because they're probably everywhere. Yeah, I think Pizza Hut uh, has a large international um, mm. uh, presence. Uh, so I, I'm looking at a list list on uh, the mental floss, um, but I believe that they are they, that these are not uh, them them ranking them. I believe this is a uh, gotcha. by dollars yeah, we, of pizza sold. When last year when um, I was in China, we went to a Pizza Hut, and there it's like a fast casual. It's like a Chili's more than it is with pizza, mm. more than it is like the like um, just delivery place that I think of it as. Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, Pizza Hut was a, a lot more of like a you go. It was like a restaurant with like a salad yeah. bar. Totally remember that. Yeah. Oh, and a buffet. I used to love Pizza Hut. I can't tell you the last time I had. I think most of my semi-adult life uh, Pizza Hut experiences have been at the like Pizza Hut to go in a Target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't had Pizza Hut for a long time. Like, I can't remember the last time. And not because I'm, like, a fancy person, but just because I don't, like, I don't particularly like Pizza Hut. All right, Mark, take that monocle uh, <laughs> and put, put down your champagne flute. I said I'm not a, a particularly fancy person. <laughs> you are fancy, just not <laughs> yeah. particularly. Uh, number two, Domino's Pizza. Domino's I have had more recently, and I think it truly, I mean, it's been, like, at least eight years or something since it like reinvented itself. But I That's think so they, funny. they actually did like a, a good job. Yeah. And also, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they were really that bad. I remember uh, getting Domino's in college um, when we had to do like pizza parties for, you know, like whatever reason for like the, the residence hall or like, you know, the choir sectional was like, you know, where we're getting pizza um, and just doing Domino's because it was cheap and easy mm-hmm. and like, you know, you know what you're getting. How much of, you know, because like uh, growing up, we got Little Caesars a bunch because that was like the pizza place that was closest to us that delivered. Coming and... in at number three, okay, Little yeah. Caesars. Oh, perfect. Because I do wonder how much of like my taste for pizza is um was based on that foundation of just like eating little caesars as a kid and when i was younger you know like um i just was more picky and so if it wasn't little caesars i was immediately like oh this is like weird and gross that, I, mean, that, I mean that's a great point because i grew up eating a lot of pizza hut um like that was you know i i can the the pizza hut on 75th street in kenosha wisconsin which is no longer there um you know i spent a ton of time there playing their goonies 2 arcade cabinet um (laughs) and i mean like yeah i mean that's uh when i was very small i was scared of pizza and i said when i turn five i'll like pizza and i refused to eat it until i was five and then at five years old i had my first like slice of pizza um and i it was at that pizza hut so (laughs) Uh, coming in at number four, Papa John's. Uh, I I I do I like Papa John's. 
Um, I do too. Um, that's another like college staple for me mm, that mm-hmm. we used to get like delivery from Papa John's. I always remember it being more expensive than I wanted it to be. Yeah, but I'm pa- getting it anyway. <laughs> I feel like that's true. Anytime I order pizza, I'm like, wait a second, this is not really like food. It's food stuffs that are like stacked on top of each other. But this shouldn't be that expensive. Um, Papa John's for me was like my like okay. I grew up eating Little Caesars, and now I'm getting like a artisanal pizza. I'm getting <laughs> yes, Papa John's. That's right. <laughs> it's like the it's like the lie you tell yourself when you go to California Pizza Kitchen. <laughs> where you're like, this is a fancy pizza, right? Uh, number five, Papa Murphy's Take and Bake, finally making its way onto this list. Not a Take and Bake fan. Not a fan of Take and Bake. Well, I used to do it uh, uh, co- again in college. Uh, there was a a Papa Murphy's um, in a strip mall with a family video. So mm. sometimes we would rent movies and then get a pizza to go. Um, but you needed to know someone who had access to like a big oven. Oh. And I guess we'll never know about the rest of the list. Mark, should I just rattle off the rest of the list? So yeah, we yeah, know go what, for it. What they are. Number six is the aforementioned California Pizza Kitchen, which, of course, is a lie. Number seven is Marco's Pizza. I don't even know what that is. Nope. Um, number number eight is Round Table Pizza. Number number nine is Mellow Mushroom. And number 10 is CeCe's. I'm glad we didn't get to the end of that list. <laughs> <laughs> We were accompanied today by the Brussels Chamber Choir. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Last week, Nintendo revealed Summer Update Wave 2 for Animal Crossing New Horizons, which uh, launched Thursday, July 30th. The updates include a weekly Sunday night fireworks show at 7 p.m. You can submit your custom design for fireworks. And, you know, like most of your neighbors gather in the town square. And there's also like special items available, um, both from your friends and as prizes from Red's Lottery, like sparklers, noisemakers, balloons, pinwheels, etc. Now, Mark, uh, since this happens on Sunday nights, uh, we have, of course, now had the opportunity to experience a fireworks show. Um, Sarah and I were playing together last night at 7 o'clock when, uh, sorry, we record on Monday. So on Sunday uh, at 7 o'clock to watch the fireworks show. And it is uh, cute. It is pointless. Uh, But, you know, we stayed logged in for an hour <laughs> watching the fireworks and watching. It's cute to watch all of the uh, all of your neighbors like react to stuff. They applaud. They do that like encouraging reaction where mm-hmm. they're just like shouting. Um, and occasionally they'll have sparklers or, um, you know, like little bottle rockets that they set off. Um, and it's just it's just cute to see everything like sort of rearranged for for, you know, one hour in the day. Um, not everyone comes to the town square, which I thought was interesting. Um, uh, Sarah and I were running around the island and noticed that there were like some people were home, and it was like, "What are you doing at home?" Is a fireworks? <laughs> no, show. no, I get it, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> some people just don't like fireworks. Probably the dog characters don't want to come out. I mean, no, Cookie loved it. <laughs> Anyway, th- this is a this is a cute feature. I I it's not gonna you know change your experience, uh, and you probably don't want to uh, go through it more than once. But go through it once. It's like it is genuinely a cute and fun thing to do. They'd also introduced like a new dream feature. Uh, dreaming allows players to visit each other's islands even when they're not online. Um, so uh, can you explain this one to me, Patrick? I didn't entirely you understand bet. like exactly how it works. Sure. So uh, what you have to do, first you have to establish your island as a dream. Uh, And you do this by going to bed in your house. Any bed in your house, if you have multiple beds, doesn't matter which one. uh, You'll be visited by Luna, who is an anteater of some kind, (laughs) uh, some sort of, (laughs) and she like lives in the dream world. She lives in the dreaming. She's friends with Morpheus. Um, And uh, she's like, oh, you want to make your island a dream? Great. Uh, And then she uploads your island to the, the dream cloud and gives you a code. I'm including my dream code in uh, the episode description here. So if you would like to visit my island at any time, all you have to do is uh, go to sleep in your house and enter my dream code. You'll be able to then visit a version of my island that uh, is you know, uh, current to when I last dreamed. Um, and you can't 
you any anything that you like get from the island, you don't get to take back to yours, and there's no way to change my island. So it's basically that there is a copy, a like sort of fantasy version of my island that's available for other people to visit, whether I'm online or not. That's interesting, and also because like the other kind of like big feature with this update is uh, island backups are available. So this isn't a full blown um like cloud saving of the game. They've said that that's going to come later this year. Uh, but what it does do is it like again, kind of like this dream state, like um, uploads the your current version of the island to Nintendo, but you're not able to like freely um, retrieve it. You only like in the event of like a lost or damaged switch, then you contact Nintendo and they're able to like restore it for you. So it does make sense that like as that feature becomes available, so does this like dream feature because they are both kind of just like taking this like yeah, state same, of same your thing, island yeah. and then like putting it on Nintendo servers somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is an attractive feature, I think, um, because, you know, if you go way back to our first sort of impressions of playing um, Animal Crossing online and visiting each other's, each other's islands, um, a lot of what's fun about doing that is just seeing what other people are doing and like seeing the decisions that other people make with the same resources that you have. Um, and like, it turns the whole thing into just like a sort of aesthetic journey, right? That you're just going to see what someone else's Island looks like. Um, and you don't re you don't really want to chop down someone else's trees or yeah. like steal their rocks or flowers or whatever. Um, and they can, if you're friends, they can just send them to you anyway. Um, and uh, so, but the actual uh, method by which you connect to other people's um, islands is obnoxious and slow and people can get booted for like no reason. And I think this addresses a lot of those concerns uh, where like, if you're going to visit my dream, I don't have to sit there for four minutes. while <laughs> you know, there's like the animation of the plane right. flying into my, so um, you know, this doesn't, it's, <laughs> it seems like it would be better if they could just do that without being annoying about it. <laughs> um, but this is, uh, this is close. You know, this is, uh, I, I haven't actually done it. Uh, I, I've put my uh, island up in, as a dream. I have not visited anyone else's. Uh, you can visit random dreams if you want. That's cool. Um, you know, all just as a, a, a fun way to sort of sample what other people are doing. So you can be online and you're just playing the game and somebody can visit your dream and like you wouldn't know because all of that happen. is just yeah. like happening. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that does seem like ideal. Yeah, and like a, a fun, you know, just a, a fun way to, to show off what you've been doing. If anyone wants to see my recreation of the Hollywood Bowl, you can do it. Just check the episode description. There's my dream code. Yeah, that is nice because now you don't have to be like online and try to like coordinate that stuff. Yeah, yeah. that is nice. So last week, Cuphead developer Studio H or MDHR announced that Cuphead, which was originally an Xbox exclusive and then came to Switch. Um, is going to be coming to PlayStation as well. Uh, that's great, of course, for PlayStation owners. But it did raise some questions about the Cuphead DLC, the uh, delicious last course, which was originally announced way back in 2018. Um, Studio MDHR COO uh, Maha Moldenhar explained the reason it's taken so long, saying, quote, uh, this year kind of just threw everyone for a loop and we're still working on it. In true Cuphead fashion, it's taking us a little longer than we thought, but we want to make it a memorable experience. To be honest, I think that we ultimately probably announced a little bit too early based on when we actually put pencil to paper. But at the end of the day, we want it to be a fulfilling experience and live up to Cuphead, and it will come out when it's ready. Uh, which is uh, just like a sort of nice reassurance, right? Like, um, it, obviously, it has been two years, uh, over two years since they announced it. Um, and you know, whenever, whenever DLC is announced and then you don't hear anything about it for a while, it always raises the question of like, are they just turning this into the sequel or is it right. still happening? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I guess it is still happening and they're like, yeah, you know, I don't know, COVID-19, no one knows what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Which fair, totally fair. Totally fair. Um, more leaks from the Nintendo so-called Giga leak that we've been talking about recently. Uh, continue to emerge apparently almost and i didn't realize this apparently like almost all of zelda well i didn't realize this because it's part of this leak uh yes. almost all of zelda a link to the past map overworld map was remade for the game boy 
uh, seemingly during the early development of what would eventually become Link's, Link's Awakening. Um, we know, of course, actually, I think from an Awada Asks interview that Link's Awakening started life as a Game Boy port of Link to the Past. So this does make sense, but it's kind of cool to see like the assets um, come out. Um, how, how are you feeling about these leaks um, uh, a little bit removed now from the uh, initial onslaught of the uh, Giga leak? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's it is still really cool to me to like see this like behind the scenes stuff. I was reading an article in The Verge where they talk about like, yeah, like this is a treasure trove of information, but it also raises so many ethical issues for um, historians, right? Because all of this stuff is like ill gotten. Um, mm-hmm. But it is just like it's incredibly fascinating to see th- this behind the scenes stuff for a company who's so famously secretive like Nintendo. What's interesting is that uh, they this is an example of Nintendo being um, secretive and not being like negligent with their history, right? Because like right. that's that's another part of uh, video game history is that it is notoriously uh, poorly curated. Um, and you know, like Square Enix, you know, they're they're always like those stories of like, oh yeah, they don't know where like the original uh, code is for Final Fantasy VII right. or whatever, and whether or not that is true, you know, whatever. But it means that Nintendo does have these archives; they exist somewhere in some capacity that uh you know hackers were able to um seize and then distribute uh and that seize and distribute part is a huge bummer um but it's also kind of like you know why why aren't we seeing these things being curated in a museum like fashion by nintendo like they're they're being organized that way but just never presented that way yeah and i guess like you know i say they're famously secretive but um you know we knew luigi was in Mario 64, you know, like we knew that um, Link's Awakening started out life as a yeah. remake of Link to the Past. So like we knew all of this stuff. We just didn't see like the artifacts of it. I, I don't know. Like I, uh, it's interesting to me to like see it come out and I like looking at the pictures, but I am torn because uh, yeah, it's just kind of like an unfortunate situation. Like you want this information, but you don't want it this way. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it makes me wonder if, um, like, what, what the Nintendo perspective is on it, if they're just like, uh, well, I don't know, that stuff's out there now, whatever. Or if, they, if it makes them think, like, that they should try to be packaging these things into experiences that, or, or if, like, I mean, like, does it matter to them? Like, if, if things get out in a way that they've curated, or if things just, like, get out in another way, either way, people are talking about Nintendo games. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I can't imagine they're happy. But you're right. Like, I mean, is point. there anything in here that harms them competitively? Like, I would make the argument no, because it's all, like, older stuff. Uh, maybe all the break... Actually, I mean, I guess that's not true in the sense that, you know, the source code for some of their, like, consoles and uh, their internal emulation, like, all of that, a lot of that has leaked. And so, yes, mm-hmm. I think you could make the argument right that like um that that does hurt them but some of so i don't know like i don't really have a good answer other than like as a fan i'm like cool but i do it does feel weird to have access to this kind of stuff yeah and you know i mean we we talked about this uh last week but like um just you know so much of this stuff that people are like this was originally in uh mario 64 it's like well okay no it wasn't um but like you know it in someone's rough draft of it it was um and uh you know i could see that being like a source of uh embarrassment or you know like you don't want people to see the early drafts of the stuff you're working on like things go through huge revisions um and so like i you know thankfully i think it is all like old enough that like it's not going to be bruising to anyone's like ego at present but like if you were working with nintendo and you had like some dumb idea that you put in a game and then they were like no we're not doing that and they cut it and you're like oh yeah that's the right choice i don't know what i was thinking (laughs) and then 20 years later someone's like look at this dumb thing they were gonna put in mario you'd be like well but i didn't you know i i i i see it it i could see like the huge bummer of of that yeah absolutely um so i had never heard of this game before and then uh it's a game called moon and back in 1997 um it was released for playstation in japan and it hasn't ever been released outside of japan on any console other 
or it hasn't been released outside of Japan, period. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's appeared on any console other than PlayStation. Um, and did I already say that it was called Moon? It's uh, You did, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> it's called an anti-RPG, JRPG, or anti-RPG is the way that they advertised it. Um, and it's fine. It's actually going to be released officially on the Nintendo Switch in English for the first time ever um, in the U.S. and Europe later this month. Uh, and so here's a description of the game. It says, uh, in 1997, the now legendary anti-RPG Moon launched in Japan. Now revived by a team of its original creators, find out why it became an instant cult classic as Moon c- comes to the Nintendo Switch in English for the first time ever. What's an anti-RPG? Have you ever played an RPG and wondered, why is it okay that this hero is breaking into houses and stealing items from people's drawers? Why is it okay that this hero is turning thousands of it, uh, is killing thousands of innocent monsters? Moon is a game about turning those tropes upside down and seeing what really happens behind the scenes of your favorite RPG video games. Um, it sounds really cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, the, that is an interesting premise. I do feel like there have been, uh, sim, uh, th- there have been a lot of, uh, takes on the, like, uh, familiar JRPG tropes. Um, but I mean, for 1997, uh, you know, that's, look, we were nowhere near uh, ready to comment on RPGs at that point. <laughs> um, so it's good that, it's good that Nintendo, or that, not Nintendo, but, uh, that Japan was trailblazing on this one. So uh, the game again is called Moon. Can't remember. Did I mention that? Um, it's releasing. It's, called Moon. <laughs> it's releasing August twenty seventh for eighteen ninety nine. Um, interesting price. I don't know for whatever reason that struck me as like unique. It's a weird price. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. Uh, also, who said nothing's coming to Switch? <laughs> you got games. Uh, uh, the Pokemon Company last week announced that they will be bringing Pokemon Virtual Fest, which is a digital online theme like uh, Pokemon theme park to PC and mobile devices on August 12th. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a Japanese exclusive, but there's a te- teaser website you can click around on anyways that shows off like the theme park's attractions and live events and stores. And I'm a sucker for theme park anything. This looks very cute. Um, yeah, so that was that's, that's why I put this one on uh, our news list here is uh, virtual theme park. Um, why, why don't we have that? Why don't, why hasn't everyone spun that up now? Like, why aren't we doing that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a great idea. Um, uh, do you, w- would you attend a virtual, uh, Pokemon theme park? I sure. Well, yeah, I would try it out. <laughs> uh, I would, I would think that the, one of the big things that I would miss at a virtual theme park, uh, would be food, like yeah. having theme park food. Um, there's no way to simulate that. No, not, not like, well, I, I feel like it's one of those things where, um, like, can you buy a churro from other places? Yes. Are they delicious? Absolutely. Is it the same? For whatever reason, it's not. If you're not paying six bucks for it, it just doesn't taste so sweet. Yeah. I need to have that like $11 Mickey Mouse shaped pretzel <laughs> that I dip in cheese sauce or I didn't really go to Disneyland. Uh, oh, here's an important update. So Dr. Mario World, we just had one last week. They're giving us no rest. I know. Dr. Mario World is adding a new doctor to the game, uh, Dr. Lemmy. And so, you know, of course, what that means, we have to add him to our database, our ranking of the Dr. Mario World doctors. Right. So, um, first of all, I just wanted to address, I think uh, we are, we've, backed ourselves into a little bit of a corner here i think they've been adding doctors almost every week forever we just have not been paying attention to it so now we have shackled ourselves to this task um and i feel bad that we are going to have to do it uh all the way here um so uh looking at our list uh we have a good list of all the dr mario doctors uh if you would like to uh hear the whole list you should go back to the episode a couple weeks ago and then also slot 8-bit dr mario in there somewhere <laughs> Um, so Mark, we have, uh, I would say a similar, um, Koopa kid doctor, Dr. Larry ranked at number 31. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is possible that we ranked Larry thinking that he was, uh, Lemmy. Is that I, possible? I think it is possible. Cause 
And I know who's the is Iggy is Iggy the other one? Which one's the crazy one? (laughs) I think the crazy one might be Larry. Okay, so oh geez. Okay. Iggy Koopa is the one that's like green and has uh like glasses and has like the little like the concentric circles from his eyes. Maybe he's not crazy. I don't know. Okay, so Dr. Lemmy, what do we know about Lemmy? How do we rank this guy? He's um, small, he's got like a mohawk, he balances on a ball. Wait. Oh, I I think I am super turned around because I'm like, aren't you describing Larry? Doesn't Larry have a mohawk? No, Larry's got blue hair and it's like a blue plume of hair. Mm. Okay. My point is he may be tied uh, at 31 with Dr. Larry. You know what? I think we're going to have to um, just because... We, I have no confidence that I know which Koopa I'm talking about anymore. It's hard. Doctor, uh, look, Larry, Iggy, and Lemmy. Is that even who we're talking about? This is too confusing for me, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. So Dr. Lemmy is going to go in uh, tied at 31 with uh, Dr. Larry. So he's just above all of the fire uh, variants. Um, And that is how we rank that. Yeah, he's an F-tier doctor, basically, is what we're coming down on. 100%. And finally, the LEGO NES was officially released. And it looks like there's a cool little Easter egg built in. Um, So just to recap real fast what the LEGO NES is. uh, So it's $230. It's 2,646 pieces. And basically what you build is like, it's a TV... That includes World 1-1 of Super Mario Brothers on, like, the screen. And then it also includes an NES console that you build, a Super Mario Brothers cartridge that you put together, and an NES controller that you put together. Right. And I'm going to have to uh, step forward here and debug myself because a few weeks ago I was like, why isn't there a controller with this? The controller is an iconic part of this machine. And, of course, it does include a controller. (laughs) Um, have have you seen any of the any video of the like TV display in action? It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really it is really cool. So it's it's got like a little like crank on it so that like the image behind uh behind like Mario uh like scrolls forward and then like the Mario on the screen kind of goes like up and down so it looks as though he's jumping on Goombas and like climbing up things and hitting blocks. Um really kind of in, ingenious bit of uh, it's the kind of thing that made me think of labo where i'm like i just want to like mm-hmm. look inside and like see how it's doing that um i was also re- uh, reading an article about this and they were talking about how like nin- during like the stress testing like nintendo like dr- like dropped these like six thousand times or something like that like they um was, was that for this or for the um for oh the it was probably logo. for the other one it was probably for the other yeah. one the other mario set um, but here's like the Easter egg on this Lego NES set. So I guess like spoilers for a Lego set if you um if are you believe about in that such a thing. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh so inside the NES is a little diorama of the end of world one two from Super Mario Brothers, including the elevator platforms and warp pipes. Uh which is super cool. And evidently, like in the uh instructions, it's never like now we're gonna, you know. Now we're going to assemble the end of uh, level one, two. Um, it's just kind of you're putting the pieces in place and then suddenly you're like, oh, oh, look at this. Is is building little uh, dioramas of uh, video game levels inside of consoles like the new ship and bottle? It's, it's definitely the new ship and a bottle, Mark. You nailed it. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for the news. Let's uh, wrap this up. And that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. It helps us out when you do that. Um, also, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MK Mitchell, and the show is at Nin Cart Society. You can also check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. 
For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Rachel, Oscar. Yeah, Claire? Claire? Do you love Disney movies? Uh-huh. Have you seen them all? Not, Not all of them. them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we could talk about it with some of our favorite friends? <gasps> I love that. Yeah, what if we do it inside the Disney Vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Woo! Campfire.